everybody, this is Eric from EFP. I think today is January 25th, 2018. You think I'd looked at that before? Well, this is episode 12. We're going to be going over the ideas of brainstorming set pieces. And I know you're probably going, what the hell is a set piece? I'm going to break down what my idea of that is, how it influences your game, and what we should do. I'm going to go in just three basic categories. What is a set piece? How do I organize them as a GM at my table? And then how to come up with the set pieces, what you actually do the process of. So let's get into the show. I think this will be pretty good. I had a lot of questions on this the last two convention panels I was on. Hope you guys enjoy. So set pieces are something that I think GMs all call something different. For me, a set piece is I know I want it to be in my game, and I want my players to absolutely experience this before the end of the session. And I usually have one to three of these, depending on how long I'm going to be playing, aka home or organized play or at a con. But you should always have these. And the first topic is, what the fuck is a set piece? Well, I describe a set piece as something in my game that's engaging, exciting in an environment or part of the environment. Now why these three? It's not because it all has ease, but it's because without these three things, you can you can design any set piece or encounter, as like D&D and Pathfinder calls them, but without those three things, it's just boring. So engaging, I think it has to be engaging for the players for numerous reasons. If something's not engaging, why in the hell would you be involved? If you're even running something like, I don't know, um, a bar scene, it needs to be engaging, have people come up to them, start conversations. Some of them can be just to set the mood, but other things should be to drive a point home on what you want to have happen. So for example, if you're in a bar and the waitress is coming up to you, or the server, or the hostess, or whatever you're setting up, and they come to talk to you, make sure it serves a point. Yeah, they're ordering you food, maybe they're delivering a message for somebody else, and they look scared. Use them as a device, something to drive home what you want to have happen. Because it makes people stop meandering and wandering and talking and saying random shit to each other and actually engage in what you have developed and ready for them. And it doesn't have to feel railroady. If they ignore her, that's fine. Have her die in the place. Have something horrible happen. There are ways to punish is the wrong term, but show the consequences of actions of not helping somebody or doing something. And this works for investigation as well. They can be investigating a scene, but you can give them clues through flashbacks through things that are engaging other than just okay this is the place what do you guys want to do that's not fun and exciting is also important it's the opposite of boring for fuck's sake if you don't make something exciting for your players to be involved in why would they want to be involved i don't like watching boring tv unless i want to go to sleep your game should be the same way if everyone's sitting around and calling lollygagging that means you didn't plan something exciting for them to do you should be doing exciting things, making exciting encounters, making things that make your players go, dude, do you remember when? That's your goal as a GM, to get them kind of going. And even things, again, like a bar or investigation can be exciting. Maybe when they walk into the bar, they're suddenly quiet and quaint as a party going on because there's a monster killed in the area they have it in the center of a table. Which is really weird, but it's the community place for this town because it's small. Or if it's investigation, maybe the scene when you walk up, there are tons and tons of guards surrounding it, looking down on the dead queen or king. 
outside of the castle. That's exciting investigation. Things are like, oh Jesus, what just happened? And environments matter. Environments are my third point. And I say this because if you guys play fighting games, there's that stage where it looks amazing. And then there's the stage that is just the grid for like Street Fighter and it's there to measure your distances, your pokes and prods. Settings and environments, environments are the same thing for a tabletop RPG. If they are not engaging, you don't come to that in, in that environment and you don't describe it and it doesn't need to be long winded. I actually do believe that descriptive text boxes are made to give you an idea and then you should describe them in your own words, otherwise they are the kiss of fucking death. Uh, look down, let me find the block text. Uh, there are bricks scattered in the area and uh, there is a feeling of um, darkness in the room. No. Better off we go to large brick building, cream style blocks, cracked grout. This place is dark and foreboding. Now I read that description ahead of time and just came up with my own description. And no, I didn't write that down. I just came up with it because I've read enough descriptions to go, blah, I don't want that. So make your environments fun. If it's that city street, talk about the cobblestone, how the light is pouring down, how it is dark here, and the only thing that can be seen is that dead king or queen in the center of the street. The blood is spilling out and hitting the boots of all their royal guards. That is a moment and an environment and a set piece they will remember. So let's move on to the next part. So I said I would explain how I organize my set pieces. I should probably explain what I mean by organize. So I use a note card system. If you follow me on Instagram or if you follow me on Facebook, you've seen that box I put together with the boulder on it and the two more horrors picture on it to get myself psyched for what I'm doing. That whole box together is like 20 bucks. And I usually do two to three campaigns out of it. Um, I fill it with note cards, I have colored ones and blank ones, and I do a note card system for myself to quickly take notes. I clip those together for the session, and those are from that session. And I then go through and I can kind of write out my details about what happened but what I'm not talking about that in that is that I use plot webs when I'm running a game I have my note cards briefly filled not all the way filled out I leave space to do detail and I do a plot web that is like a two-page spread of ideas they want to happen and some things I don't even connect lines so like I don't know how this is gonna work I wait for the players to do it and I connect the line from what they did to that piece plotted adventures are about this with audio training and you can find those on my Patreon, but in general, the idea is to make an outline and then flesh the outline out as you go, and then after the session. It's like reverse engineering how an adventure is designed. Now, I had to talk to my friend Nick Mork, and he organizes his. He says that the process of sitting down and writing everything out for him is important, that it has a combination of nostalgia and I think stress release is the idea of being organized in something and getting your thoughts together and that's absolutely fine. Organizing your thoughts detailed now is fine but learn to chop them apart and not to be stringent on the way that they're laid out. Players aren't going to follow what the hell you want. They never do. So when I organize mine I get ideas together. I know the place we are playing in or places I have the NPCs named already, the things that slow you down, NPC names, building names. I have a list, cross them off, they become canon after I do it. The idea of things becoming canon is thank you to Blades in the Dark. Once it is said, it is canon in the game and I write it down. And some canon I make up front, but most of the time, it's made during play. I organize these together into note cards. And I have a color-coded system, you can do it however you wish. 
but I usually have NPCs, items, environments, and monsters as different colored cards. So I can quickly pull that deck of cards out and know, hey, this is what I'm going to be using for this adventure. But there's something else that's important about organizing your notes as a GM. I believe you should be designing in story arcs, one to three episodes, and then a larger arc, let's say you've decided I'm going to run this nine times, and then make decision if I'm going to run it more. And I know that I roughly want people to level every two to three sessions, and I want these story arcs to be these tiny ones, and this is the bigger one. And what you do is you write your bigger arc, saying, the king dies. And then you got a bunch of little arcs that lead up to how the hell it happened. Or maybe it's the city's out of water. Everywhere else in the world has it. And then you have the little pieces below it. Here's a piece that explains aqueducts don't work. Here's a piece that explains that certain areas are tainted and the water has turned bad and soured and creating creatures. Then another part is, oh, this is all caused by an abolith. You just have a little bit of a structure explaining your three story arcs within your nine episodes. And there will be other little stories, but the main arcs are what you're worried about. It's to keep it consistent, to keep it themed, and to keep your players driven to accomplish something. It's still sandboxed. They want it to be sandboxed. I'm not telling you to railroad them, saying go here, go here, go here, go here. Let them investigate however they want. If you have clues that are needed, use those clues. So I organize my things into like thought packages and set pieces that I can present to the players when they get there and give them chunks of information to continue driving the adventure that I have ready. So how exactly do I design a set piece? So let's get into that. Okay, let's design a set piece in under five minutes. I'm gonna give you the things that I know I want my set piece to be. I'm gonna build it out in under five minutes. And these are the amount of notes roughly that I would have. And the set piece will probably last somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour for four to five players. All right, investigation. Now I want that involved. I want the actual location to be the environment in an alley, dark, Tight, small, lots of windows viewing in, tall buildings on each side. I want people to feel a little claustrophobic. Uh, I want watchers. I want onlookers that could or could not be involved. And one of these onlookers is probably going to be holding someone hostage with a good check. Players can figure that out. It'll be on a higher story. They'll have to get to it. Maybe fire escape. But if it's fantasy, magic. Or going inside the building blocking off the exits. I want there to be an arcane trap. I want this investigation to be about um, a part of the city alley that has fallen away into an unknown area that you can't see into because of perpetual darkness. Um, and they have lost... What would they lose? I'll say one of their favorite NPCs either got sucked into it, which seems right place, wrong time kind of thing. Uh, really, they were set up. And then I want a player that investigates to get hit with an arcane tracker, like an alarm, so that when they get near this spellcaster, he will know. So those are my set pieces. So investigation. The goal is for them to figure out what happened here. I think someone was dropped off the top of the building, um, maybe enlarged to make them really huge, and it crushed them through the city street. Not that hard to do if you figure something is large enough and there's an alley there's maybe a weakened state there that worked well. I think if you get near the hole, there's a chance you could fall in or it might crumple if you weigh too much. Keep the idea of full play in mind and I'll mark that. With the onlookers, most people are just going to be looky-loos. But I think there's a few that actually saw what happened 
and can't explain it. Um, a large version of a person, they're calling it a giant. Really, the person's probably like seven foot with maybe a large spell on him. Kind of large, falling off the roof. Hit it, put him through there, and then darkness was cast on it. I think the gar- darkness was too obscure who actually fell. And only someone on the top floor actually saw the person before they got enlarged. Maybe they grabbed something and pulled it off the building on the way down. And I'll have that item sitting at the bottom. So that's kind of the investigation. The alley itself is old. I think, um, I think there'll be a lot of rats, mice, and I think there'll be a few people in the alley they're going to have to push through. And they'll be here before the city guard because they've been warned by one of their friends on the guard. Or they're warned by an onlooker. <clears throat> Some way, maybe a familiar of their friend. That could work well. A familiar came and found them. Familiars are great plot driving points. So now I got myself an environment... The excitement, I think, is going to be something else is going to come off this building and fall through that hole. I think the hostage. I think someone in the window that they saw is going to get shoved off the roof and enlarged again, trying to hit the players. It's a great concept to use a person to hit someone. We'll make this like six to seven stories. They don't notice it. They're going to get hit, take some damage, and maybe it'll cave in the rest of the alley and put them below. So option one, they go into the new dungeon, sewer area, injured, trying to get out. I think the person survived because of their large size and tell them who did it, so now they know and figure it out, or at least what they look like. I think the mage is going to start casting spells down to the darkness, AOEs, to make people scatter. And then I'm going to have the mage hunt them because they're weakened and he doesn't want to be caught. Because this mage is going to be... This mage is going to be somebody important. Something they've been looking into, or something that's going to start. It's going to be almost like this is a starting adventure. This is going to be something that starts my story arc and turn it into something really bad. This mage works for somebody important, like an organization they're involved with, whatever it may be. Last, the alarm spell is going to be there so that when they get within, I'll say, 100 foot of it, the alarm goes off. The wizard is warned, and he gets the chance to buff some spells if he hasn't already seen them. So I've set this up. I need to throw some stats together for that mage. I'll just go find something that's pre-made, reskin it for myself. Um, environmental, I need to know my rolls and damages and stuff like that for falling. And I need to know how much damage I want the falling object to do. I'll make that relative to the player's level. So let's do a quick recap on the things I need to prepare now mechanically. So we've talked through a quick five-minute set design. And this might end up being a whole adventure, depending on how it plays out. So the mechanics that I need to get ready as a GM if I don't know them. I need to decide, well, I'm going to use 5e as the example, because that's what I'm currently running, but you can do this for anything. I think it's all relative. I need my mage statted, basic, and the spells that he will cast up front. I'm going to say alarm, mage armor, and shield. Those are going to be his big spells. He has up. Mage armor's already up, shield will be the first thing he casts. I think he has one more in large, and he's going to use it in the sewer in a tight spot to top, stop the PC from being able to chase him. It's a pretty good idea. Maybe I'll use like a mage hand spell to deliver this spell in range. Okay, so I know my mechanics how my, my mage fights. Um, he's got a couple blasting spells. I'll give him a wand that he's using to shoot the PCs, or sorry, the PCs over and over. So I'll need a statted out wand with X amount of charges for it. I think that's how 5th edition works. That is something I'll have to look up. Then I'm going to need the guy in heavy armor. Need your DCs, your overall DCs. I think my easy DCs for this, and this is something you'll see in Plotty Adventures, I do uh, easy, medium, and hard DCs. I think easy DCs are going to be like a 10 
because uh, DCs are much lower in 5e. Moderate's going to be 12, and hard's going to be 15, and this is going to be like a 1 to 3rd level adventure, making things a little harder to do. I'm going to have one DC that's really difficult, and it's going to be to realize that the mage is watching on high with a hostage. That's going to be like a DC 18. No, 20. Let me get a DC 20. It's really hard. Almost impossible because of the distance. If somebody happens to be closer than that, I'll make it a DC 18. Um, if I don't... If I don't think that's going to work, how people are rolling, I will alter it down to a 15 with disadvantage. Okay? So that's them noticing right out the gate and know who to go for. That'll shorten the encounter big time, so I gotta be careful with that. I need the falling damage from the large person. Let's say 66. Um, ooh, boy, I don't know. I'll kill somebody. Let's say a dexterity save in 46 for half. That'll just hurt everybody, because then if they fall down into the hole, that's going to be another 2d6 reflex save for half. This could take like a second level party and mess them up pretty good if things go wrong and they don't have a healer. Alright, that's a good thing to note. Healer. Anytime I have a healer in a game, I up damage to give them something to expend at least one heal on. Um, and I usually add like a d6 or two to, to AoE spells. I know that sounds like cheating, but it's a good way to help deal with the idea of having a healer on board. Last have all these done. I need a map for the alley, just an overhead. I don't need a really detailed version for tactical. And I need some form of a dungeon-like labyrinth underneath that has got a few rooms for me to play. If I decide I want to turn this into a huge dungeon, and this is where the mage has been operating out of, we could do that as well. But I'm going to have a locked door they can't get through right away that forces them to come back. So now they have a reason to leave and escape this area and maybe question their friend that was originally put down here, who is dead. They don't have a priest that can do it. They're going to have to find one who can speak with dead. And then that'll be the hook for the next adventure. I think the dead body is going to tell them, the mage has betrayed us. Um, he has found something of, of power down in this dungeon, and it has twisted him into something more powerful than I could handle. I'm sorry, yada, yada, yada. So pick an NPC that matters to them. Maybe have them dead. If your own cleric makes the role to talk to it, I think they're going to gain something out of it. Uh, maybe they'll learn that that guy was carrying a magical item on him. Magical item on him that allows him to track the mage. When he fell, I got buried in rubble, and that allowed him to dig and find it. That's a really good idea. I think that's what I'm going to do if one of the players have the ability. Otherwise, to find it will be a check of like a 15 buried in rubble. They'll notice a glint, or they'll hear something when they step on it. A weird noise. So I've decided everything, i got to gather some stuff up, but now I have an entire encounter ready in under 10 minutes of brainstorming. I can write some quick notes down, about, it'd probably take me as much time to write the notes down on note cards. I'll do one for each major piece, and now I have a little deck of cards that I use to run my encounters. Afterwards I will go through and fill out notes to explain exactly what happened, so now I have a history of what has happened. Alright everybody. That is my idea for how to do it, how to do set pieces and what they are actually for. Before the show ends, I got a call in from Random Screed. Eric Frankhouse, Jason Hobbs here with Random Screed. Hey man, I know a couple times you've mentioned collaborating and I don't think I really ever answered you in any way. Uh, I'd love to try Numenera. I would really enjoy collaborating with you and doing a joint podcasting about GMing or anything, man. Yeah, that sounds great. 
Uh, sorry that I haven't responded to you. I kind of took a week off of Anchor there. Um, things are looking up for me now, so I'm feeling a lot better, and I appreciate you uh, listening to the show, applauding the show, and calling in, man. So keep on working on, working on, I say. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Hey, Hobbs, how's it going? No big deal, dude. I understand taking a break. I have to do that once in a while to keep my head back on and make sure I'm in the game right. Collabing? Yeah, dude, definitely. I mean, we could do it on here. We could do it on your show. If you want to do it on Hobbs and Friends, I'd love to come on. Just give me the topic, and I'll be ready to go. Ask for Numenera West Marches, and on your show, uh, you would even, t- on your random screen, you'd talk about how my high magic game I don't always run High Magic, it's just this time. I actually usually run Grim, Dark, and Gritty. That is my baby. But my players need a break. I think a little horror and Grim, Dark was getting to me. Uh, the Numenera West March has been going well. We just had 40 people apply, and if you would like to come check it out, you're welcome to. Making a character is very simple. Um, you can either make one yourself through the Numenera, Numenera book, or you could take one of their pregens they have and play that. Whatever works for you. If you want to sign up and submit what it is, I, I actually, tonight, I will send the Numenera West Dock to you. Because I know you're talking about doing West Marches as well. Maybe I can spotlight GM for you. Thanks for calling in, man. It's awesome hearing from you. I love the show. I love the idea of just being thoughts in your drive and work for the day. I've been doing a little bit of that myself on Sundays for my pre- and post-cast for my phylactery sessions, which is the idea of harnessing everything into one area. I hope my players don't listen to that. Have a good one, man. Talk to you soon, Hobbs. So it has been a pretty crazy week. A lot of stuff going on with Storm Bunny Studios, TPK Games. My Patreon is getting redone right now. I'm broadening it instead of just being Plotted Adventures. That will still be part of it. And I'll kind of condense that down into what Plotted Adventures is. But I realize I'm doing a disservice to my fans, not giving them all the other shit that I create. So I'm going to be upping the ante. And I'm going to be changing my format so that you're not just getting adventures when they come out, but you're going to be getting some other things as well. I'll still keep the same kind of idea. I'm only going to release two to four things a month that are paid, but all my anchor casts are going to go on there. Any podcasts and mine is going to go on there. Any videos I record for how-tos are going to go on there. There's a lot of things that I do with a few extra minutes I could record and put up. So that is the concept of what my Patreon is going to become here, hopefully by the 5th of next month. It's been a long haul of me deciding, do I enjoy this? And I do, but what I don't enjoy is doing the same thing all the time. It has the same problem I have with being in a job where I have to be behind a desk. I like jobs where I get to be up, interacting, doing things, talking to people. My creative process definitely stems from that. It's kind of a little bit of self-reflection. I gotta be doing more than one thing, and I'm good at those things. It's not like I'm a half-asser. So right now I'm working on something for a setting coming out on a Kickstarter. I can't really say much. I can tell you it is a grim version of Starfinder. If you follow me on the social medias, you've seen some of the logo things I've been putting up for it. I'm really not going to say what those are for in the game. I'm going to let the people making the game do that. But I wanted some teaser to let you know what I have been doing. And if you are a company that listens to this RPG company and you're looking for a cartographer or a designer, give me a shout. There's numerous ways to find me, either Eric Frankhouse or Eric Frankhouse Presents on social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, all the above. I'm most active on those two, and I do reply to Twitter. But 
that's it for me, everybody. Tonight is Critical Role. I'm excited to watch it. I really hope it's more engaging than last week's. I had a problem with last week's being why I wrote this episode. It was an investigation that lasted four hours and not a goddamn thing got done. It was a shame. I felt like Matt sat back and created this really cool playground that the players weren't really getting. And he needed to kind of drive home some hooks to make it more engaging. Now, I don't know how much of it is prepped out, like a story and so on and so forth. I don't think they have a script. I do believe they're actually playing. But man, it was pretty boring. And my buddy Todd and I are really excited to sit down and watch it together for four hours. And by the end, we're like, what? What just happened? Why didn't they just go back to the tent to begin with? So without giving too many spoilers, in case you haven't watched it, be ready for a slog on that one. And I know not all adventures can be amazing, but I don't know, man. I really love the first episode. Second one, like out of a 10, like a 4. The first episode was like a 9. I'm really hoping that they they kind of catch their stride because I feel like I just stammered is what they're doing there. I don't really know what to say about it yet. I'm, I'm a little worried, but I trust them and hopefully they can deliver. That's it for me, everybody. I love doing this. I hope you enjoy it. Do not forget to call in. And most of all, go grab a beer, roll some dice, and enjoy this amazing hobby with your friends. Talk to you guys next week.